Welcome to the Impact Masters Commission Bible Study Podcast. Join us as we study the Bible verse by verse. I'm your host, Pastor Josh Hawkins. We're going to have some deep, thoughtful, and hopefully helpful discussions to try and discover together what it means to be the followers of Jesus. It's not okay because we, our faith is to be embodied. Our faith must be embodied. And there are two things that Jesus commanded us to do. One of them is to be baptized. Okay? And the other one is to, to take communion together. These are the right. only... The only There's not a lot of yes The only rituals Jesus has called us yeah. to engage in. Now, the Catholic Church would say that marriage is also a sacrament... Uh, Wait, aren't there priests aren't allowed to get married though? Right, uh, you know, I, <laughs> um, I, I have a friend who is converting to Catholicism. Um, they grew up AG and now they're converting. Their whole family is converting Whoa. to Catholicism. That's yeah, I, it, it's been an interesting journey for them, and I'm 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 rooting them on because this is a good place for them. It's good, but. Um, they they want me to convert also, so they keep sending me they keep sending me text messages like you know that since you're already married you can become a priest and still have sex with your wife and I was like thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're but if you become a priest before you're married you're never allowed to get married. Right. Yeah. Well, I just get married before I became a priest. Well, well that's women, can women be priests? I'm you, guessing no. I don't think I I think it's you have to be married before you convert to Catholicism actually. Okay. So it's kind of like an age of innocence kind of thing. Like you weren't Catholic, so you couldn't be. Oh, that was BC. Right, right. Like for instance, if we went to a to a country, (laughs) if we went to a country where their people had multiple wives, and then they get saved, we wouldn't be like, yeah, you get to keep one of your wives. (laughs) Right. Right. Even though we don't believe in multiple in in polygamy, we would be like. We would be like, you're already married, just stay married. We're not going to break this family up. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's it's the same way. With... Wait, can women be pa- priests in the Catholic Church? No. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, in the Catholic Church. Sorry, John, your hopes are It is against, against the rules for women to be priests. Do um, you know why? Yes. Because women can't um, be Because... They interpret certain scriptures okay, by Paul as saying that women shouldn't be in leadership. That's what I it's thought. not a correct Obviously. interpretation. But uh, in fact, they've actually attempted to change Bible translations uh, to make it seem like there weren't women in leadership in the early church when there were. They've changed Junia, who was foremost among the... There's this lady who was an apostle. Paul calls her an apostle in Romans chapter 15. Her name's Junia. And they have changed her name and her pronoun to be a male name and a male pronoun. Really? Yes. Because they didn't want anybody to know. Hey, they did it. Now, obviously, not everybody did it, but it has happened in the past. Isn't that blasphemy? The Bible says, don't change anything. Well, they said... It does say that in the book of Revelation, but they would say that it was... Someone early on in the in the in the thing that accidentally changed it to be, wrong, oh, and, and we're just correcting mistake. it. Yeah, the Bible has mistakes in it, everyone. <laughs> no, the original the documents did not have mistakes in them, <laughs> but our copies have had mistakes in them. Is what they would say. Uh, no, you can... yes. So, is there more in there? But does the Bible have mistakes in it? No, it doesn't. Okay. Stop it! Answer that question right now and give me answers right now. Uh, does the Bible have mistakes in it? No, no. It talks about mistakes. The Bible doesn't have mistakes in it. However, we can't take that to a place of stupidity. For instance, okay, and I don't remember exactly where it is, but there's a place where Paul 
corrects himself like three times. Mm-hmm. He's like, I didn't, this is why I didn't baptize anybody while I was there. And then the next sentence is, uh, maybe I baptized this person <laughs> and this person. But other than that, I don't remember who all I baptized. Okay, so is that a mistake? On his part. And it's in the Bible. So does the Bible have mistakes in it? Sure, but not obviously God does not make mistakes but what I'm saying is we need to recognize that the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit but is still a human document and so there's stuff like that in it stuff like that where Paul's like I don't know maybe I did maybe I didn't doesn't matter the point is this yeah, right this, <laughs> okay this kind of stuff was talked about in our most, our first year's most recent it was? Yeah. So, for instance, is it possible that when they are just naming some kind of historical fact that has nothing to do with the story, that maybe they were wrong about that because they had heard wrong? Oh, yes, that's possible. Um, also, is it possible that when they're using poetic language, they would say things that are poetically true or that feel true but aren't actually true? The answer is yes. Okay? God did not... Part the Red Sea by a blast from his nostril. Even though the Bible says it specifically. The Bible says he parted the Red Sea by a blast of his nostril. Well, it's not meaning that God came down in human form with a... That is not what it means. It's poetic language. And there's other places where God will inhabit their incorrect scientific knowledge of a, of a moment. And speak through it, okay? So, for instance, how many of you have ever looked, seen flat earther stuff on the internet? I'm a flat earther. It is huge right now. It's huge right now. It's also malarkey, but it's huge. One time, actually, there's this tweet, and it said, there are flat earthers all around the world. Yeah, all around the globe, I've seen that one. The Flat Earth Society has members all over the globe. And I was like, okay. So. Some, some flat earthers, not all, but some, in fact, I would say maybe half of the flat earth society, are basing their belief in a flat earth on the Bible. They are quoting scripture and saying, the Bible says the earth is flat, therefore it is. Oh my goodness. The Bible says the sky is a glass dome. And that God sits on the dome, so the gla- the sky is a glass dome, and nobody's been outside the atmosphere. That's what the Bible says. A dome. That's not flat. The, uh, the, the, yeah, but the earth is flat, but the dome over the earth is not. I... Yeah. yeah okay. Heard, What's I, that? I've heard people use, like, flat elbows use the, oh, the Bible says spread the gospel to all the edges of the earth. Yes. And so they're like... Oh, that's why it's flat. I, I had a lady, I said something you know on that, Facebook something. <laughs> about, about flat earthers, and I had a woman comment on my thread that said, if the earth isn't flat, how can it be, how can it be God's footstool? <laughs> what? <laughs> because the Bible says, heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool, right? That's in the Bible, okay? Actually, a couple times. So if the earth isn't flat, how can it be God's footstool? My answer to her was, where can I find his feet? Like, that's clearly a metaphor. Obviously, it's a metaphor. But they take, but this is what happens when we start opening the Bible. And we, and, we read, and we read it, and we don't recognize what we're reading, and we take metaphors as if they were literal that that's a problem which is why the the interpretation is absolutely incorrect important well no i mean it's just it is incorrect sometimes we all do that okay for instance we're having a garage sale at our church we do two a year last year we raised thirty five thousand dollars from garage sales last year okay yeah that's a lot of money what's that the bear in your front foyer the bear. <laughs> well, oh, the bear, that bear. No, that bear is back in the nursery where he belongs. Um, um, but. So, we have 
garage sales. And a guy posted on my uh, on my thing. I don't even know who this is, but it's an it's an ad that goes like all over the place. And his his post was Jesus said, "Don't steal stuff in church." Nuff said that was that was his uh, comment. Mm-hmm. And 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 I I I I commented back. Thank you for your comments. If you'd like to have a conversation about this, this is my phone number. Um, he's not going to call me. The church's number, which is already on Facebook. Um, the church's number rings right here to this phone. So. <laughs> but uh, still, it's the church's number. Um, and that's already out there. Uh, but, I, you know, I just, he's not going to call me because he just wants to snipe from the peanut gallery. He doesn't want to have an actual theological conversation. Um, but did Jesus ever say that? No. What he's referring to is when Jesus went in and overturned the tables and said, you've made my, de- my house a den of thieves, blah, 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 blah. So therefore, Jesus said, don't sell stuff in church. That's an interpretation of what Jesus said. That's not what Jesus said. I disagree with that interpretation, obviously, or else we wouldn't have two garage sales here. <laughs> I, this garage sale has been a powerful ministry in our, in our community because people can come in and buy clothes for next to nothing for their kids, for their family, etc., we are, there's one lady in our church who got saved absolutely because she came to our garage sale last year. She came to our garage sale. She was upset. One of our ladies that was working the garage sale was like, can I pray for you about something? And she was just like, Woo! and then that began her relationship with our church and with Jesus. So this is not, this is really a beautiful thing. And it's kind of what makes our church work. I mean, honestly, um, but Jesus said not to sell stuff. So we do this with the Bible all the time, is what I'm saying. Now, when it comes to, to baptism, there's a lot of different interpretations around what does this mean? How important is it? Do we have to be baptized to be saved? Good friend of mine in Fremont, pastors at church, where if you have not been baptized, you are not saved, period. What? That's correct. It just like literally says in that the is Bible. how he feels. Well, actually, the Bible says that you have to that that salvation comes through baptism. I mean, it does say that. It also says believe yeah, and be but, baptized. So if you already believe, then correct. Now, it's all about interpretation. When I read that, how do I interpret it? Does this mean that we should be baptized? Yes. yes. Does this mean baptized is re- baptism is required for salvation? No, that's not what it means, in my opinion. But he is. As much a Bible scholar as I am, and he would ardently disagree with me. There's actually quite a few things he would ardently disagree with me about. But wouldn't that? Make, but we're good friends. So that would just put too much emphasis well, for instance, on the baptism and not what Jesus did for you. Be like, it's an, But the baptism is how what Jesus did for you has effect on you. Can we talk about baptism and the Holy Spirit next? Absolutely. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Okay, so anyway, so back to, back to my friend. He, had all, he would also have huge problems with my stances on women in ministry, my stances on a whole lot of things. Okay, he, he and I disagree vehemently about a lot of this stuff, but we're brothers. We agree on, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the forgiveness of sins, the communion of saints, and the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. Amen. We believe that. Both of us do. That's something you had to memorize. That's something I chose to memorize. That's the Apostles' Creed. It's the oldest statement of faith in, in the Christian church. Where's that from? That's not in the Bible. No. I mean, obviously the elements of it are. Everything comes from the Bible, that. certainly. Right. We don't know. Oh. It's been something the church has been saying. Right. Since before we have records. Right. Like, it's obviously biblical. Like, I just way like, back. They call it the Apostles' Creed because church tradition says that each of the apostles added another statement to it. Oh, okay. Um, but but we don't know. Maybe, maybe, or maybe not. We, we, we don't know. We know it's been all the way back, way before the Council of Nicaea, which was the, early, the earliest church council that we have actually written records of outside the Bible. Um, they were already using that. But they... 
if they had been using it in Paul's time, he probably would have included it in one of his letters because he included a bunch of other songs and things they used. But he didn't include that. So we're assuming that it came about somewhere in between in that in the 300, you know, 250 years in between Paul's ministry and the whatever. But that is a creed that and that was the baptismal creed that while you're being baptized, they would ask you, do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth? And you would have to say either repeat that. Yes, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Or you would say yes, and then they would lower you in the water and bring you back up. Then they would say, do you believe in Jesus Christ, the only, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, etc., etc.? And you would say, either repeat it, or you would say yes, and then they would dunk you in the water again. And then they would say, do you believe in the Holy Spirit? And you would say yes, and then they would dunk you in the water again. And say, do you believe in the communion of saints? Yes, I do. Dunk you in the water. Okay, so the, the dunking was multiple dunkings, and it was immersion. It wasn't sprinkles. Okay, even in really cold places, they would actually chip holes in the ice and baptize you in icy water. They also baptized you naked, just so you know. When I got baptized, our our baptismal tanks heater was broken, so I got baptized in freezing cold water. Woo, praise the Lord. (laughs) We, We use a portable hot tub. We have so, Where was so, that when we were on retreat? Huh? <laughs> I know, right? Actually, the last time we used it, it broke and started <laughs> leaking everywhere, so we have to replace it. I know anymore. someone who got yeah, for swimming in a baptismal. <laughs> <laughs> was you? I mean, I did. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. Our baptismal is like within our walls. Uh, when, when, when I was youth pastor here, we did, we did Ignite. Ignite was the name of our youth group then. And we did Ignite Olympics, and there was all these different church-related things like speed repentance. You had to run down the aisle and get on your hand, get on your knees, and, we, and whoever got saved first got the gold, right? And then we did, no, like and, then, <laughs> and then we did. Um, see what else did we do? Oh, but but one of the things we did was was laps in the baptismal tank. They had to do three hundred laps. In the baptismal tank. Did this didn't actually happen? It was a video we made that was just oh. a joke. It was an oh, then there was worship dance. Dance. Um, worship dance in the church. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, goodness. worship dance. Yeah, we had people you know dancing or whatever, and then and I actually did it, and they were like, "Is this is this worship or is it an epileptic seizure?" Oh. Um, you know, because took the video and then we did commentary over it. It was really fun. It's actually out there on YouTube. If you wanted to go to the video, Ignite Olympics. You can probably yes. look Was it, it up here? And find it. Yeah. And Kyle Joris and oh. Austin Nig were the ones doing the <coughs> the laps and the baptismal. We didn't actually put water in the baptismal. We just filmed from below and made it look like they were swimming. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole bunch of really dumb videos that we made we way back then. Ignite Fort Wayne. You should be able to find it. Um, uh, yeah, that was long years ago. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. As an Assembly of God minister, I have to sign off every year that I believe that the, bat- that the tongues is the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that? Do, you believe that? Do I believe it? Off the record. No. Basically. Oh, okay. so that's not, yes. <laughs> I have to, I have to kind of, you know, look wonky. I, I, well, no. I can, I can stand up and say, yes, I, I believe that. Isn't one of the gifts, though, faith? Wouldn't that be the first one? Depends on what you believe about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I'm just interested in this. Okay. So. Not to be a fellow credentialed minister that doesn't know how to do that. I signed up, and you will, I would say, 90% of the assemblies. What's the 10%? Looks at that statement and says, I'm not sure how to, I'm just going to interpret my own way and just say yes. But that's true (laughs) of all the 16 fundamental truths. Because I don't believe what most Assembly of God pastors believe in regards to the second coming of Jesus. But I believe he's coming again, and that's all they ask me to believe 
That's all they asked me to sign off on. Right. Is the is the return of the the blessed hope and the final judgment. I believe I, in both I of them. I really forget. AJ's post trib, aren't they? Yeah. No, pre. 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 Oh, yeah. I'm pre. post. Okay. AJ is I, pre. I literally forget. I'm post and maybe not even that. I'm, I, I'm really confused yeah, about my eschatology right don't now. Get too no, we, yeah, let's not go there. Uh, I'm just saying, just saying, I I have to look at those statements and be like, can I agree with what it says, not what someone else might think that phrase yeah. means, but can I can I agree with what it says? For instance, the the Bible is the inspired word of God. Absolutely, one thousand percent. But are there mistakes in it? Oh, well, you didn't ask me that question. You asked me if I believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, and I would say, yes, I believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. Now, if we start drilling down and talking about what that means, I will probably have a different opinion about that than, like, even some of the pastors on staff at this church. Okay. Doesn't the Bible say it doesn't have mistakes? Maybe it doesn't. I don't what? know. Doesn't the Bible say it doesn't have mistakes in it? No. Oh, it doesn't? Okay, then never mind. That was my, my one thing. No, the Bible doesn't say that. Okay. The Bible says all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching and, and exhortation. Okay, etc. Rebuking. Rebuke. That's what the Bible says about the Bible. Okay. That's what the Bible says about the Bible. The Bible does not say there are no mistakes. Okay. So. It? And the word of God is actually Jesus. Not that book. Okay? The word of God is Jesus. And Jesus is absolutely without mistakes. But this book we have, which is wonderful and beautiful and perfect for what it was inspired to do, is kind of a mess. It's kind of a mess. And... um, there's a whole lot of conversation to be had around this book. A lot. A lot of conversation. I mean, when Paul wrote that letter and said, all scripture is God breathed, da 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 Paul wasn't talking about the letter he was writing. Paul was talking about the Old Testament scriptures. He wasn't talking, and he had different Old Testament scriptures than we do now. He had a different list. Different books. Enoch would have been on his list. It's not on ours, etc., etc. Okay, so there's a whole lot. I mean, there's such a big mess to talk through when we start talking about the Bible. Do I believe the Bible is inspired? The inspired scripture that is our ground for belief? Yes, absolutely. That is why I'm here trying to teach you the Bible. But I don't think we should worship it. I've had people say to me, but the Bible is the word of God and Jesus is the word of God. I'm going, no! Because they'll actually take John 1 and say, in the beginning was the word, Pastor Josh. And I'll say, yeah, that's not the Bible it's talking about. That's Jesus that it's talking about, not the Bible. The Bible didn't exist when John wrote that letter, that, that gospel. So don't try and tell me that, this, that that's what, no, ant, ant, wrong, Okay, there's a whole lot of issues, a ton, that we need to process through. Does that make sense to everyone? Yes. Are you anywhere near as uncomfortable as you were when we had the hell conversation? No. <laughs> I'm so I'm glad. Good. I'm so glad. Okay, good. <laughs> but, back to the Holy Spirit. Yes. I just, I, okay. I have been, I don't even like saying I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Sure. I'm kind of bitter towards that. Okay. Just the, Talk to I don't like the verbiage. I don't, I don't like the pressure. Like, like you said, if you read the statement, I'm not even going to say that I disagree with the statement in itself, mostly. Um, that's why I thought your answer was funny, because I was like, that's exactly how I feel. I'm not going to say I don't agree, but I'm not going to be like, yes! <laughs> so, I just have a hard time. I've been baptized in the Spirit. I believe in the like. I believe in the gift yes. of tongues. I believe Absolutely. in the baptism on the day of Pentecost. Like I uh-huh. believe in those things, and like <coughs> I've been told when I'm like, well, what about this? Pa- 
passage of scripture where it says they were filled, but it doesn't say anything about them speaking in tongues. Mm -hmm. And I've right. been, it, it's been explained to me that it's just implied, it's implied that because being filled is speaking in tongues, that when it says that, it's just implied that that was a part of the process. Right. And I don't know. It's just, I didn't grow up H.E., mm -hmm. um, but I grew up, like, both of my parents speak in tongues. It's not unfamiliar to me. I have a hard time with the pressure that I feel, and this is more like this is an objective opinion, or, yeah, no, subjective? Which one is like an opinion? Objective. Subjective. Subjective. This is a subjective opinion, because I know not every pastor in the AG church thinks this, probably not even close, but I've experienced a lot of pressure to speak in tongues. Mm -hmm. And even like, like at Kids Blast, I love Pastor Barry, and I mean, like, I do not mean any disrespect to him, and he did a great job, and he's the best, and I love him, and he has nothing but pure intention, but it's just, it's hard for me to understand why baptism in the Holy Spirit is the most important thing to an eight-year-old. Yeah. Like, that's hard for me. Yeah. Like, I don't under, I don't like the pressure, and so as somebody who's, like, seeking my credentials in the church, it's like, I don't want to agree to something that I don't believe, because that's not, I feel like that's not right. Like, well, it's not that I don't believe it. I believe that it's valuable. My prayer life is yeah. significantly better because Absolutely. I can speak in, in my speak prayer in language. Tongues every day, no question. The more that I dive into it, like there's been some raw moments with the Lord because of like since I've experienced mm -hmm. the gift, mm -hmm. and I encourage people who want it to seek it. Absolutely. I have a problem with the pressure yeah. that this denomination puts on people mm -hmm. to be baptized in the Spirit. And I've just, like, I've seen kids, even since I've been here in Masters, I've seen kids literally crying at the altar because they feel like they're not good enough because they can't speak yes. in tongues. Yeah. And it just breaks my heart. And so I don't know how to respond in those moments. Well, obviously we want to, we want to, and I, I love, I, I love your, your heart for those kids. And you saying, I'm, I'm, I don't want to make anyone feel that way. Yeah. I want to encourage them because being baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues is such a precious thing to me. Yeah. I want to encourage people to seek it and to experience it, but I don't want anybody to think that they are less of a Christian mm -hmm. or less of a person, for goodness sake, because right. they've never spoken in tongues. Yeah. In this church, and it's may not be true anymore, but it was true just a few years ago, you could not serve on the board unless you had spoken in no, tongues. No, that's still true. That's a requirement. Of I have a huge problem with massive problem with that okay uh, no that is not okay oh so they're less saved than than someone who hasn't spoken in tongues right. i have a massive problem and they'll with that. say well no you're not less saved then why are there different expectations exactly <laughs> if it doesn't make a difference no. why? <laughs> should we encourage everyone who is a mature follower in jesus to pursue this experience of the baptism of the holy spirit including tongues absolutely we should yeah should people desire it? I think they should. But the pressure, the, uh, yeah, that, that kind of classification. Yes, it's like, well, you're like, you're like a higher class Christian if you can speak in tongues. And you're like a lower class Christian if you can't. Right. It can feel that way sometimes. Yeah. Now, I, like, so I kind of have questions about it too. So, like, there is other gifts of the spirit yes um but like in ag a photo like since i was um i i would say like a freshman in high school i didn't know there was other gifts until <laughs> sorry yeah like, oh forgive us yeah forgive I, us until, as a denomination yeah it was until every single when i was a freshman and sophomore it was until jeff gonnell he spoke on it um and like but, and then after that, then I kind of, like, realized, um, and this past summer, I was at a camp in Arkansas, a uh, kids camp, and they were talking about the Holy Spirit, um, but then the head guy, at the last day, he made a statement that I personally don't agree with. He said that the only way to get a gift of the spirit you have to speak in tongues first yeah and he and like he was like i can quote scriptures i can argue with this and i'm like i think i can argue back you <laughs> certainly can i'm sure. certain that you can 
Because that doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Because, like, so I had a student, like, one of my kids, he, uh, he got, like, the, like, God gave him, like, an image, and he was able to prophesy it, and they would turn and complain and say, oh, yeah, but you spoke in tongues before that, why? And he's like, no, like, you spoke in tongues before that, Oh, why? I prayed for that guy, and he got healed. Well, it did, God didn't use you because you haven't spoken in tongues. Uh, oh, yeah. Because our statement says the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the speaking of is the speaking in tongues. That's what our that's what it says. So if you read that extremely literally, you're gonna say, until you've spoken in tongues, you cannot use any of the other gifts. That's the initial physical evidence. It's like the activation card when you have to call that. Exactly. Once you then that's how you get in the door is your tongues badge. I have my tongues. Right. And then once you're in there, so now I'm gonna go in and prophesy. Okay, is that all right with you? This that's that's so ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. The way I read it, and this may again. I get to read these statements. All I have to do is say, yes, I agree with this. Just the statement. Not your interpretation. <laughs> they don't ask me what my interpretation is. Now, if yeah, I want to know what the... There are whole position papers on the uh, AG website for the AG Church if you want to know what their exact position, like down to the little tiniest granule is you can go read them okay i don't do that because i don't want to have to say well if that's what you mean then no (laughs) okay but the initial physical evidence of baptism of the holy spirit i would say is referring to acts chapter two okay in acts chapter two what was the first physical thing that happened to them they spoke in tongues there you go yes i believe that Done. Does that mean my initial physical evidence is that? No. Or everyone's initial physical evidence is that? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. <laughs> so that's how I interpret it. That may be a complete, like, you know, I'm bending the arm of the AG right there. But yeah. if they're going to exclude me because of this, then they need to exclude me because I got a whole lot of other beefs. Yeah. Should we talk about should a person who's been who's been divorced ever be allowed to be a pastor again? Yes. The AG says no. That's why my parents don't go to an AG church anymore. Do you know how long it was before it was okay for a black person and a white person to be married to each other? It was a while. Even though one of our founding ministers was a black man, we still had a problem with interracial marriage for a long time. Okay, so so yeah, all right. So anyway. <laughs> He was a he was a credentialed pastor. And yeah, that's where like I'm. I wasn't raised AG, but I was like born AG, yeah. I guess. Yeah. But when I was like two, my parents left AG church because there was like a lot of drama, I guess, with that. It was like my wife just cheated on me and left me. And at first, he could keep them. It was when he got remarried yeah. that they were like, "Nope, you're you can't get remarried and be a pastor here." It was like, what? Well, let me be completely honest with you. As an ordained Assembly of God minister, no. I am not. An Assembly of God minister because of the 16 fundamental truths. Not. I think they're way too wishy-washy. I think they're way too vague. And the only reason I'm even able to be an Assembly of God minister is because of how vague they are. Okay? But I am, an, I am glad to be an Assembly of God minister because my entire life, men and women from the Assemblies of God have been pouring into my life. And they are my mamas and papas. They are my family. And I want to be a part of what they are doing. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, and so to honor them, I am going to stay as a member of this community. Maybe a little bit of a maverick, maybe. But I'm going to stay as a member of this community until they look at me and say, you're done, walk out the door. Which that day may come. <laughs> I, that day may come. I, if I'm ever called on the carpet about any of these what I consider to be fringe issues, and I have to stand, I mean, at my ordination interview, they asked me, what do you believe about the end times? And I told them, which my answer then was even different than it is now, but I told them. And Pastor Chad McAtee was like, where do you find that? And I was being a jerk, and I was like, in the Bible. Uh And he was like, okay. Okay. 
but where? I was like, I'm sorry, that was disrespectful. And it was. <laughs> it was disrespectful. Disrespectful. But they still hired me to come teach their her eye sound class about eschatology. Right, so so they we're fine, y'all. It's okay. Now, Pastor Chad. Eschatology class, and you don't even. Believe the. Pastor Chad, this last year, did put his arm around me and say, "If you could be a little less post-trib, that would be nice." It's like I can do that because what I'm teaching is the history of interpretation about the, about eschatology. I'm not teaching. A stance on it. Yeah, I'm teaching all of them. I, I, yeah, yeah, I'm teaching all of them. So that makes sense. I was I, just like, that's I, the class of all the classes I want they asked you to teach. Well, they asked me to teach it because they can't get anybody to teach it. Nobody wants to teach this class. This is really hard. But they know I love this subject, and I have since I was 13 years old. And so they asked me to teach it. Now, I, I don't agree. In fact, you know, and one year, because I have to, the first half of the class, I have to, like, go through the, the, uh, the, the study guide, which I wrote, by the way. Um, um, and, and so that, you know, and then they take the test. And then the last half of the class, I get to talk about whatever I want. So one of those years, I put on the board the different major views, and I just went through and destroyed all of them. This is why scripturally this view is incorrect. This is why scripturally this view is incorrect. This is why scripturally this view is incorrect. So guess what? It's none of these. That was my, that's what I did. <laughs> and, and I had a lot of fun with that, but my class was not happy at all. They were all like, because the first view I destroyed was the primary AGV. Sorry, but Jesus is not coming before the tribulation, and there is no biblical reason to believe that he is. Not one. Anyway. <laughs> that's my personal opinion. That's my interpretation that's of scripture. But that is, the Left Behind books, are ridiculous. Ridiculous. What? I read them all. I loved them. I read them all. But they're not, they're wrong. On so many levels. But anyway, let's just keep it. So baptism of the Holy Spirit. So talk to me about what you think actually happens. What, how would you better phrase this issue? Like, I know what I believe. I don't know how to put it in one sentence like that. Like, oh, sure. this is the... Like, if we were to modify it, that would probably never happen. But, like... In Just do your best. Like, I don't know how to explain it. I just believe there's other gifts that... And here's something I don't know what I believe. I don't know if I believe that every spiritual gift is available to every believer or not. I genuinely don't know where I fall on that. Because I would like to say I believe that every single person can speak in tongues if they want to. Sure. Well, I do think that if you want a gift and you're asking God for it, that he's probably going to give it to you because why would he not want you to operate in his giftings? But I don't know. Like, There's a lot. There's just a lot that goes into that. Here is my biggest issue with the way we deal with spiritual gifts. We forget that the Holy Spirit is a person. Yeah. That's my biggest issue. And when we talk to people about, oh, you want to speak in tongues, don't you? Or you need whatever. We treat the Holy Spirit like he's some kind of plug in the wall that we need to plug into because we need power in our lives. In fact, I have seen pastors use that as a metaphor. For being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Your vacuum cleaner won't work till you plug it into the wall. So you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit so that you can vacuum the floor. I wanted to walk up there and punch him in the face. This is a member of the Trinity we're talking about. You don't get to diminish them down to the electrical grid. I have a huge problem with it. The way that I talk about it at my church is this. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the one who's with us now on the earth who's already inside of you and has been from the moment you believed in Jesus. Mm -hmm. He's the one who took you from darkness to light. He's the one that taught you to believe in the first place. And he's inviting you into a deeper relationship than you already have where you get to partner with him in all kinds of crazy ways. And Paul and others describe some of those ways. One of them is 
a language you've never learned, coming bubbling out of your mouth. You have no idea what you're even saying, but here it comes. And the Bible talks about the weird things that it does. There's beautiful things that happen as we speak this other language, as we surrender to the activity of the Holy Spirit within us, and we let him pray through us for us. Yeah. That's beautiful, and I want that for you. So if that's something you would like to experience, I want to pray with you. That's how we talk about it. It's an introdu- introduction into a deeper... Well, sure, you, I mean, absolutely, let's do that. I would be happy to do that right now for anybody in this room. I would love to have that, to, to pray with you about that, if that's something. But let's talk about him as the person that he is. This is God. He's just as much a person as Jesus and the Father. And we need to get to know him. We need to start a relationship with him. We need to grow in our reliance upon him. We need to recognize that he is with us now. A lot of times I will tell him, just put your hand on your stomach like this and say, hi, Holy Spirit, because he's already there. You already have the Holy Spirit in your life or you would not be saved because it is the Holy Spirit who begins, who shows up to renew us. Okay. This is just a further step. It's like, you know, we were going steady and now we're getting married. Okay? <laughs> this is, it's, it's a further step in our relationship with him where we're going to choose to trust him more and to partner with him in an even deeper way. And a lot of times that partnership begins with the surrendering of the most unruly part of your body. James talks about the tongue, does he not? He says it's the most unruly part of our bodies. He says that it sets forest fires and it, 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 the, little tiny, the little tiny rudder moves the gigantic ship, right? And that's the tongue. It's the most unruly part of our body. When we surrender the control of that to the precious Holy Spirit, that is a huge step. Which is why that's a great place to begin. That's, why, that's one of the reasons why that's where the disciples began. They received tongues. Now, the other reason is there were people in Jerusalem from all over the world. Mm-hmm. They needed to hear the gospel in their own language. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit filled them up and began to speak through them in the languages of the people. That's right out of Acts chapter 2. Mm-hmm. The fact that we've missed that completely blows my mind. And the early Pentecostals did not miss it. In fact, the early Pentecostals said, if you're speaking in tongues, it's probably because God wants to take you to the language where that, to the country where that language is spoken and you can preach the gospel to them. That's a little freaky, isn't it? Now we have grown in our understanding of this particular gift because the Bible says tongues of men and angels. So this isn't, these aren't all human languages. Some of them are, some of them aren't. The Bible also says that there's something else that happens. As we surrender our language to the Holy Spirit and we speak in cooperation and partnership with him, he is praying through us for us in ways that we're not capable of praying for ourselves. And so it edifies our inner man when we do that, both because of the surrender and because of the prayer. Both of those things are building us up inside. Does that make more sense? That's how I approach. That's and how I feel about it. That's just, that's what I've been trying to like, okay, I don't put this into a phrase without like disagreeing with the church right. that I'm going to be a minister in. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I do is I remove all pressure from the situation as much as possible. Okay? So I tell people, you can ask the Holy Spirit for this gift, like to this deepening of your relationship with him I don't want you to worry about tongues or not tongues Mm -hmm. if you begin to receive utterance from the Holy Spirit that happens in different ways and I describe that okay so like sometimes you'll hear syllables in your mind then you repeat them with your mouth and that's how it begins sometimes your mouth you're just going to begin to speak like like somebody started an engine in your mouth and off it goes you know people experience it in different ways (laughs) It's true, though. That's, that's what happened to me. 
people experience it in different ways. I didn't do the syllable thing. I know several people that did. Several people that heard like two or three syllables in their mind, and they began to make that sound with their mouth. And as they did, then it began to build and grow, and that turned into a full language. That is not what happened with me. What happened with me was I went from no tongues to tongues. And then I, that it was just like, bleh, you know, it just kind of came out. You know, that was just what happens. Like somebody flipped a switch. Okay, but that's not how everybody experiences it. And if you talk to enough people, you're going to find out. It's different for everybody. Okay, so we talk about that. But if that doesn't, ha- if none of that happens, that's fine. That doesn't mean you're not filled with the Spirit. And it doesn't mean that you're any less of a Christian than you were five minutes ago. Your desire for this is all that God's really after. And the Holy Spirit's with you no matter what. So do you think that applies to like basically all the spiritual gifts? Yes. If the thing, you can switch that up or anything? Yes. Yeah. So will in the Bible would I find like the list of the spiritual gifts? Um... Boy, it would first Corinthians twelve. No, is that right? Yes. There's there's a list there. There's a list in Romans. Um here, let me pull it up in my I uh last summer, I think it was, I did a whole series on the gifts of the spirit at my church. You can watch it on YouTube if you want. You go to our YouTube channel, Fremont Community. Um, uh, just look up Fremont Community Church in YouTube. The, there's a playlist called The Gifts of the Spirit, and I think there's 12 or 13 different. Um, and what I do is I go through each, each text about the gifts of the Spirit, and we talk through each of them. 7 through 11, 1 Corinthians. There's multiple. Um, yeah, but that's one of them. And you can also look it up on Google. That's what I do. I'm like, where can I find this in the Bible? <laughs> Just like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I have Also, question. Um, so, in the Old Testament, do you think, like, the Holy Spirit was there in the Old Testament? Absolutely. Yeah. So, like, for... Like Joseph, you think he had a gift of the Spirit? Yes, he did. Now, gifts of the Spirit operated differently in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant than they do now. Okay, Now, the Holy Spirit dwells within us all the time. He's never gone from us. We are the temple. As both individually and as the body of Christ, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That was not true in the Old, in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people for that specific moment and then lift. Okay, so, uh, but yes, that was the Holy Spirit. In the Nicene Creed, it says, the Holy, it, it expands, you know, in the Apostles' Creed, the, all we say about the Holy Spirit is we believe in the Holy Spirit. That's all we say, because he's so mysterious. But in, in the Nicene Creed, which was written quite a bit later, it talks about the Holy Spirit, it calls him the Lord, the giver of life. He has spoken through the prophets. Specifically the Old Testament prophets. So, um, yeah, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, I've got John 14 in here, John 15, John 16, Romans 8, Galatians 4, 6, Acts 13. So there's, there's quite a few places that the gifts of the Spirit are enumerated. I would say none of those lists are exhaustive. I would say that there's a million gifts of the Spirit. I think, this is how, this is my understanding of the gifts of the Spirit, okay? This is what you and this precious person, the Holy Spirit, decide to do together. And the Holy Spirit's the same person, so he's going to do some things the same way, but you're not the same person as everyone else. So it's going to work differently with you than it does with somebody else. Now, yeah, can we see patterns when we look at the larger picture? Of course, but... Anytime we are operating in cooperation, in participation with what the Holy Spirit is doing, that's a gift of the Spirit. Now, one more thing before we're done, which is we need to be done soon. Who is the gift for? 
We talk about my spiritual gifts, your spiritual gifts. This is the gift you bring to the church. The gift is for the body. It's not for you. That's what it's about. The Holy Spirit cooperates differently with you than he does with me. And I need your thing, and you need mine. So we got to bring them all together. That's how this works. Does that make sense? So when we talk about the gift of the Spirit, it's the gift you're bringing to give away. It's not a gift you're receiving. Potlucks. Exactly. The Holy Ghost potluck. And then everybody eats. Me and the Holy Spirit made this casserole for you. It's called tongues interpretation. And then, you know, then we've got a salad over there, and that's the gift of administration. And over there, yeah. uh, the steak is prophecies the steak. I mean, meal. let's be honest. <clears throat> and it's going to be awesome. Does that Did make you sense? Say steak's the prophecy? Uh, yeah, steak is prophecy. I mean, let's be honest. Well, <laughs> the Apostle Paul says that we should all desire to prophesy. He says if you speak in tongues too much, people aren't even going to understand. Absolutely. He says, so an unbeliever walks into a group of believers and they're all speaking in tongues. They're all going to look around and be like, what the heck is going on? But when an unbeliever walks into a church and they're all speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they're going to be like, oh my gosh, God is here. Right? So that's from 1 Corinthians 14, by the way, if you want to go look at it. That's, that's, in, that's in the Josh International Version. Uh, I feel bad I like for like newcomers at my home church because there's almost every single week um, there's uh, an interpretation of tongues. Yes. Like if you're a newcomer to that and you walk in, it can be a little bit overwhelming. Absolutely. Everything about a Pentecostal church can be a little overwhelming. Yes, I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. If you walk yeah, in during worship, she's Catholic. if you walk in during worship at my church, you're going to walk into a whole bunch of people from kids all the way up to old people standing in the back waving beautiful flags and worshiping. And, oh, you know, so every once in a while, people blow a shofar. Somebody's got a tambourine. There's a guy up on the stage who's like... No, we just have folks that bring shofars and decide to play. My mom is broken. Yeah, we have somebody that brings one sometimes. You've never heard it? Yeah, He's always in second service. Really? Yes, it's he um. He's like, such, he's a sweet, there. sweet man. I I love him to pieces. He, he, he does the Kurt Bowler. Yes, it's is his Kurt. name, oh, Kurt yeah. Bowler. Yep. Um. Uh. So so yeah, crazy stuff. But anytime we have tongues and interpretation, as the pastor, I explain what just happened. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Um, and I, that, I, I, like I got that from my dad. My dad, is, my dad has always done that. Um, and, and, and he gets up and he's like, okay, so this is what just happened. He doesn't, like, especially if there's new people in our congregation, he's really good about explaining what's going on and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and then I'm like, and if you have any other questions about that, you can talk to me. This, this past Sunday when I was home, we actually had two different people that interpreted. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> What happened? It's like mad at you. Hey, it's responding. It's demon possessed. Should we cast the demons out of it? Uh, I was, I, I, I used my, my phone for like, like a pad in the background during worship a lot, and I forgot to put it on Do Not Disturb. Or no, I don't, well, I don't know what happened, but, but. We're worshiping, and all of a sudden, my computer, my phone started playing some other song completely. It was like, like this, and I'm like, what is happening? You know, you know, maybe. This, why not? Yeah, absolutely. You actually? Yeah, I like singing. Are you being for real? I'm being absolutely. Yeah, of course. Does your background sound the same? I, I I enjoy lots of different kinds of music. So, in a, in a week from now, I am going to a concert in Chicago of this Irish band called Mogwai, and they're a post rock band, and it's going to be so loud that I'm going to have earbuds in, but I'm still and my ears are still going to hurt when we walk out, and it's going to be amazing. 
Irish post rock. And then in June, I'm going to Detroit to see Sigur Ross, who is an Icelandic band. And they play this just off the charts incredible stuff. Um, and I, I've, I've seen them live three times now. And this will be like the fourth time. I love a, a great show. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay. Okay, but let me say this to you. Don't let don't let Witter Jam be your first concert, please. Can I just ask you that? Go go to Witter Jam. I'm just asking, please go see somebody good. I've seen I've seen Radiohead. I've seen U2. I've seen. Leave. Just walk out. You know that song that says, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. It's like their most famous song. I love that song. That's you too. And I got to see them, and it was Thirty thousand people. I would love. I would go to a Destiny's Child concert. And a minute. She referred to them as her because she only thought it was one person. <laughs> Listen, I was sheltered. I didn't hear any music until I was 12. Other I'm than WFRN, which is the worst Christian radio station there is. <laughs> and that's on period. I, 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 I was the same way. I was the same way. Yeah, I never heard any non Christian music until, Did I, like the Christian until I was music? in yes. high school. And then I fell in love with Alanis Morissette. And other alternative bands from that time, like Nirvana and others. But I, I just absolutely fell in love with that music. And then later on, I began to branch out into other things. And I will say, Snoop is about the only rapper I listen to. I gotta be honest. Eminem? I don't really. No. I mean, he's, I, he's good, but I don't really listen to him. I love it. I he's the only rapper you need to listen to. Eminem or Snoop Dogg? He's about it. Can you do the trip one? No, I can't do any of that stuff. We were doing it last night. Do you recognize how white a person I am? I mean, come on. He said, I'm going to an Irish... Well, it's not Irish music like... It's not like that. It's rock and roll, you know? It's like... it's like. Yeah! It's going to be amazing. Shut the corn! Oh, I think you were going to say... It's not country. Country is the one kind of music that I have the least respect for. Thank you. I'm not going to say there aren't good country songs. There are, but it's that I'm just, it's, it's the, the, I have the least respect for it. You're prejudiced. All of the rascal songs are just beautiful. Anyway, so are we, so are we all okay and we're all on the same page? Is there anything else in the last five minutes that we need to go over? No. What is your favorite besides Christian music? Well, I I don't listen to Christian music, like at all. No. Really? No. So that song you just added to my playlist is not a Christian song. It is. It is. Which one? The the you have our yes. I love that song. Like I love that song because of the words of it. Like the 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 verses says like our our how does it go? It's like our flags and our kingdom. Our rights and our freedom, all of our idols must bow. That's, the, that's so good. And it's, it's just like, like it's, it's literally the opposite of the Pledge of Allegiance. It's like all of this stuff goes down before Jesus. And that's the chorus, you know, you, uh, all of our idols have to bow before you, Jesus. It's by Vineyard Music. Um, it's kind of a bluesy song a little bit. But it's good. I, no, I meant like I listen to some Christian I listen to worship some worship music, but yeah. that's because I'm a worship leader, so I have to do, you know, I need I know, new songs, I but I don't like listen to it in my spare time. <laughs> my favorite music is is word is like wordless music, post rock, instrumental, instrumental. That's my favorite stuff. I don't like saying that to you. She gets in her car and she listens to worship music, and I'm like, Mom. We're on a three and a half hour drive. We can't listen to worship music. I like worship music. Time. I appreciate worship music. Although I gotta say, like, I feel like it's getting worse and worse. I feel like worship music used to be better, and I feel like it's getting worse and worse. I just do. I there's nobody I really like right now. Maverick City, I loved, but like their last couple albums, I'm like, really. But I will say it's really cool that they won a Grammy and they performed there because that people are hearing about the gospel that Absolutely. probably otherwise wouldn't happen. No, I love that. But I and agree. I think they deserve a Grammy. Yeah. But 
because they're really good. But I just think their last couple albums weren't as good as their first couple albums. Same thing with, I loved House Fires. The first couple albums of House yeah. Fires, like every song was just like, yes. And now I'm like, eh. I, Maverick City's first album is also my favorite. Nothing has topped it. But I also listened to them when they were like more, it's like the more popular they get. It's just it's like more commercialized worship music. It's not as like See, that's I feel like that's the way it always goes. Yeah. Okay. Early Bethel stuff was dynamite. And now it's like Right. You know, I just feel like everybody starts off with this just what great, great stuff and then it just goes worse. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what do you I mean, still like, like it and listen so to So I'm it. always looking for the next But communion from their like, first album is my favorite song. Who's who's the next? Mm-hmm. Who's who's the next? Okay, Maverick City's done. That was fast. Mm-hmm. Like, who's next? And I don't have anybody. But Vineyard Music. See, Vineyard Music is actually a denomination. Yeah. I wrote a poem today. Vineyard, Vineyard is a whole denomination. And the different worship leaders from all over the country submit their songs. Like songs they write out of their churches. And, and then they put albums together. based on. And so sometimes they're horrible and sometimes they're really good. But I've been listening to Vineyard Music since like the early 90s. And... So they've had great songs and not so great songs. There's a lot of vineyard songs you probably know. Like, do you remember the song? Probably only heard it in kids' church, but the one that was like, Waves of Mercy, Waves. That's a vineyard song. Yes, it is. Have you ever heard this was written by was written by David Ruiz, who was an absolute pioneer in the field of worship. So, um, you know. Yeah, I, you wouldn't. And actually now he's the like superintendent of the, Canadian vineyard. Anyway, y'all, it's been great.